0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in
1: to this week's message.
2: Honored honor to be here. I absolutely love this church. I love the culture that's been created. And I love the fact that there are chicks here from other churches. Love that, because we're one body with many members, and, and the heart of the leadership here is to bring the community of women together to make a difference, and I will tell you um, that I know uh, the speaker personally who's speaking at the, uh, the conference, and you don't want to miss the speaker. This is a, this is someone who's very passionate about uh, seeing people's lives be transformed and, and reaching out and, and bringing people into the kingdom. And so you don't want to miss. It's going to be great. And you really want, you, you just pray about it and ask God who you can pay for uh, a registration for and bring with you. It really would be cool if you guys could not get a, everybody in the building. I think that would be a really nice problem to have. So um, I want to give you a little glimpse of, of what I do before I start tonight. I think it's important. At least when I'm here, someone speak, I want, to know what, I want to know what makes them tick besides beach towels and sports, right? I want to know kind of what they're passionate about. So I want to, I want to show you what I'm passionate about. Uh, 28 and a half years ago, after working for the government for eight years, God put it on my heart to start a ministry where I would not be told separation of church and state. I cannot share Jesus Christ, but, a, a, but to have a place where I would have the freedom to bring in hurting people who wanted help. To, so they could get the right kind of help that they needed. So I just want to give you a little glimpse of what we do at Mercy Ministries around the, the different locations around the world every day so that you'll kind of have a reference point for what I'm going to share with you tonight. So if you uh, take take a look at the screens.
1: My sister was a cheerleader. She used to make straight A's. My beautiful baby. She thinks she's bad.
0: I felt like I was dying inside. And no one noticed. I thought there was no one who could understand me. I wish to die every single day. I felt like I belonged nowhere. I wanted to die
1: My mom was teaching in Los Angeles I never knew who my father was My grandparents decided to take over custody Meanwhile,
0: my dad's sneaking off to the bathroom to shoot heroin At church (laughs) God wasn't real to me
1: My aunts and uncles did not care for me at all. It wasn't a day that didn't go by where I was either getting tossed around, knives being pulled, your mom didn't want you and that's why we had to take you in. I was just tired of feeling like I was an accident. My
0: dad gave me my first line of cocaine. He started becoming a very bad, evil man. He molested my sister on several occasions, tried to
1: molest me. When I was 12, My aunts sold me to a man that lived in front of us. And I began to start cutting. Cocaine. I would overdose. Ecstasy. I drank bleach. Meth.
0: This is when I became very suicidal. I'd just rather be dead. What I said was, God, if you want me to live, you're going to have to do it because I can't. Don't have the strength to pull myself out of this.
1: I was really crying out to God. I was like, God, if you're not going to let me go, then you're going to have to help me. The next day, that's when I seen um, Nancy on TBN with C.C. Winans.
2: When you become a partner with Mercy Ministries, you are literally making the difference between life and death.
0: What's so cool about Mercy is You can come in there and be horrible, but they'll still love on you because they're trying to translate God's love.
1: It was hard because I had to really face the issues head on.
2: We deal with issues like eating disorders, addictions, sexual abuse, girls who are suicidal, struggling with depression, unplanned pregnancy, just about every issue you can think of. Most people, when they hear about Mercy, are blown away, first of all, that there's a place where girls can come free of charge. And I tell them our supporters are so wonderful, and we pray for more all the time. They make a way for that girl to literally be pulled out of death and to have the life that Christ died for her to have. I think Mercy
1: was different because it was their patience. Um, their willingness not to give up on me. Mercy wants the girls to feel like they
0: have the best of the best. The home is beautiful, the furnishings are beautiful, they feed us the best food, they want us to be healthy.
2: The reason that we take girls in free of charge are twofold. One, because so many of the young ladies couldn't get the help they needed if they had to pay. And they need to know that we're not trying to make money off their problem, that we genuinely care. Mercy has homes in Louisiana, Nashville, Tennessee, St. Louis, Missouri, the United Kingdom, New Zealand, Canada, and our newest home is in the Sacramento, California area. We are moving forward to begin other locations as well.
0: I think the best lessons that I learned at Mercy were, one, that I'm not bad, that I have hope, you
1: know, I didn't have any before. I wanted to die. I think it was a revelation that God had His hand. Excuse me. What I went through was not in vain, that God had a purpose and a plan for the things that I went through, that I was not an accident, but I was predestined
2: because of the success, our waiting list is growing. We've actually had young women that have died while they are on our waiting list. I'm asking you to please give us your prayers and give us your support.
1: Mercy is not a typical place. You're going to see lives changed, hope renewed. You're going to see that. I believe I'm a living testimony of that. I believe I am.
2: We just thank you and praise you that you are the one who heals broken hearts. You are the one who sets captives free. You are the one whose name is above every name that can be named. And Lord, you are able to save to the uttermost. And Lord, I thank you right now for each and every person, each and every person that is in this building tonight, both the men and the women. Lord, I thank you especially for the girls that are here that are seated in this auditorium. You know each and every one so intimately. And Lord, I ask you to touch each and every heart and each and every life and to meet each person right where they are according to what they have need of in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you that you are the God who is more than enough and that you love us unconditionally and that you do not deal with us after our sin, but that or reward us according to our iniquity, but that you are a God who loves to forgive and restore and heal and to give new beginnings. And Lord, for every person in this room tonight, I pray that in some way this night will impact them in such a way that it will be a defining moment for the rest of their life. And I just thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, I yield myself to you, and I ask you to speak through me what you would have spoken, and nothing more, nothing less. And I thank you, Lord, that your word will not return unto you void, but it will accomplish what you send it to accomplish in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you, there's nothing that, that gets me more excited than to hear testimonies of young women whose lives have been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, the Kim, the young girl, I don't know if you caught it or not, but she said she was sold, when she was 12 years old, she was sold into trafficking at age 12, by her family, who did not want her. And um, Kim came to mercy about four years ago after 28 suicide attempts. And they were serious attempts, and the last one should have taken her out, but it did not. And that's what she was referring to when she said, God, if you're not going to let me go, then you're going to have to help me live. And since Kim graduated from Mercy, she has gone on to college, and she's graduated with a college degree, and this fall she will be going to graduate school. And she's dating a godly young man. She has the respect and confidence of the leaders on her college campus to the point that in her senior year this past year that they asked her to lead a a campus Christian crusade, the president of the university. So she put that together, was in charge of it, and it was so successful that they called her in afterwards and they said, we we will give you your diploma since you've earned it if you will commit to come back and lead this Christian event (laughs) again next year. So she has agreed to do that, and she will be entering graduate school Uh, at uh, the University of Oklahoma this fall and so anyhow it's very very exciting and uh, I'm very much updated on what what's going on in Kim's life she's one of my beautiful daughters that I love to claim Uh, having I'm single I've never been married I've never birthed children but I have a lot of daughters that I'm very proud of And both Kim and Monica in the video are two that are in my life to this day. Monica, the other girl, she spoke She gave her her testimony with me at a conference that I spoke at a couple of weekends ago with Cece Winans and just spoke so eloquently about what the Lord had done in her life and setting her free from drugs and a life of sexual abuse and horrendous family life and all that. And she came to Mercy to receive help uh, for a, a, a huge drug addiction. And we require the girls to do medical tests when they enter. And, and so right when she got to Mercy, uh, to get it, she did her medical exam and discovered that she was pregnant. And she said, I know that if I'd still been out in the world doing what I was doing, that I would have gone and gotten an abortion. But because she was at Mercy, she chose life. And today she has a five-year-old son that she's very proud of. And she's a successful businesswoman in Nashville, Tennessee, still going strong for God, very active in her church. And so it, it's exciting. And Kim, on the other hand, Kim, um, I, I said, mentioned that I spoke at two services in Delaware this morning, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern time, so that was 7 a.m. your time, so don't be getting sleepy on me because I'm not going to go to sleep. You can't go to sleep. Um, But uh, that was the first service this morning, and then we had one after that, and then I went straight to the airport to come here, which I was so excited about. But Kim actually flew in to be with us this weekend, and she gave her testimony this morning in both services, and it was just so special because we were at an African-American church, predominantly African-American, maybe about as many people as there are here, and it was just a very special time. Uh, for her and the people there just loved on her and made her feel so special. But I'm telling you, she got the microphone and she stood up and she started preaching. And I just thought, man, I could just go sit down and let her have the service. I almost did. It was that good. So I'm just so proud of what God is doing. And those two represent thousands of young women who have walked through the doors over the last 28 and a half years that have lifted up their hand and and said, I've got to have some help or I'm not going to make it. And I spent, um, uh, Becca wanted me to share a little bit of my story um, uh, and journey uh, tonight with you. And as I do that, I'm going to incorporate some principles in that. But I want you to know that the first eight years of my career life, I spent working for the government in the state of Tennessee. And by the way, I'm the middle kid of seven kids. I grew up on a farm in Tennessee. I worked my way through college because my parents couldn't afford to send us all so at a very young age, God put a strong work ethic in me and, and that served me very well in ministry because when you're in ministry and you, the, the the lives of people are depending on you doing things with excellence, then you want to have a strong work ethic and do things well. And I thank God that he's helped not only blessed me with that, but he's blessed me with the staff who have that as well. And uh, I have been told that there are several Mercy graduates in the building tonight, so uh, you know that you're one of my daughters, too, wherever you are, and I want to see you afterwards, so make sure you don't leave without me being able to talk to you and give you a hug. Um, but anyhow, so I spent the first eight years right out of college in, uh, in uh, working for the government, and uh, my, my first job was at a girls' correctional facility. For juvenile delinquent girls ages 14 to 17. And there were 300 of them at any one given period of time. And they were sent up by juvenile court judges because they had committed criminal offenses. And they were too young to go to women's prison. And during the time that I worked in that facility, I saw girls that had potential. But they also had a lot of baggage. They also had a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And some of them were kind of crazy and did things that I didn't really understand. But God started teaching me early on about the why behind the what. That, you know, when I'd go read their case records and I would read about the horrible abuse they had been through and the pain and agony, much like what you just heard with these two girls in the DVD. God would started dealing with me. You can't judge someone because you have not walked in their shoes. And there is always a why behind the What? So if we can understand the why behind the what, then we can reach the who. Because it will, it will cause us to be like Jesus. And what was Jesus? He was moved with compassion toward people. And the enemy wants us to be moved with judgment toward people. And I just released a new uh, CD series. Uh, you can probably access it on our website this next week. I don't think we have any here tonight, but it's called uh, understanding the why behind the what, and then the subtitle is, uh, it's, it's called the why behind the what, understanding, what is it, Caitlin? <laughs> Help me. Something about how to understand, how to reach people, how to be moved with compassion towards people that you do not understand. That's it. And we need, we need to be able to be moved with compassion because you know what? If we're trying to reach out to people, and we're offended by their sin, or we're offended by what they look like or what they do, then we're not going uh, to be effective because they're going to sense that. I mean, straight people are sharp. You want to talk about somebody who can discern something? They're smart. And they can tell if we're the real deal or not. So if we want to see the change in people's lives, then we need to be the change. And we need to be willing to love people unconditionally, meet them where they are, And I don't know about you, but there was somebody God brought into my life when I didn't know if I wanted to live anymore or not when I was in high school. And God brought someone into my life who loved me unconditionally. And I made fun of her. I tried to push her away. But there was this force called love coming out of her. And the Bible says love never fails. And no matter what I said to her or how much I tried to put her down for her faith, she continued to love me. And she loved me right into the kingdom. And the day she led me to the Lord, this is what I said to her. Right three weeks before I went off to college, I said, okay, I respect you for praying out loud. I respect you for giving your testimony in front of young people. But you need to know that I want to come and hang with y'all, but I will never pray out loud. (laughs) I will never give my testimony in front of anybody. This is going to be a private thing with me. And she started laughing and she said, God has already showed me that you're going to be like Paul. And I said, who's that? (laughs) And she was referring to the Apostle Paul, which I realize today is quite a compliment. And she took me to the Bible bookstore the next day and bought me one of those greenback living Bibles. You know, that's very easy to understand because she knew she was dealing with a real simple chick that didn't even know who Paul was. So... (laughs) And, but I got a hold of that Bible, and I started devouring that Bible. And I, what, what I started realizing was everything that I needed to know about life that my answer was in the book. It blew me away. I, I, one day I was sitting around thinking, gosh, what are my former friends that I used to party with going to think when I don't go drinking with them anymore? What are they going to think? I opened, I promise you, you check it out in the Living Bible. I opened up the book of Peter, and there it was, biggest life, just jumped out at me. Of course, your former friends will be very surprised <laughs> when you don't eagerly join them anymore in the drinking parties that you used to do. And I was like, dang, this thing is alive. It's talking to me. And it was just like that. Everything, every time I'd pick up the Bible, I was being spoken to. And, and I guess that's why it says in Hebrews uh, 4, verse 12, that God's Word is active and powerful and alive. Because it is. It's the living word of God. And, uh, you know, and I'd get all in a stew about what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? You know, I don't quite understand what's happening here. And then I'd open up to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he'll direct your path. And then I'd get in the word some more, and I'd read stuff like his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I'd read stuff like, you know, John eight twelve. I am the light of the world, Jesus said. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. So I finally started figuring out. So you just read the word, and you do what it says, and he makes you look good. <laughs> it was real simple like that for me, and I'm like, okay, I got it. And I think that God does have a way of making people that follow his word look good. Because he promised that if we would hear the word, if we would both hear it and do it, that we would be blessed in our deeds. And, um, you know, it says in Psalm 119 that God gives understanding to the simple. So if you don't think you're very smart, you can be like me and just read the word and do what it says and you will look so smart. Because people think I'm so smart because of all that you just saw on the DVD screen. And that if you ask me how it happened, I don't have a clue. I could not tell you how. I just know it's God and following him one day, one step at a time. And I know that there's principles involved where he says, if you're faithful in the little things, he will make you ruler over much. So the first chick night that you had, Becca, how many did you have? The first one. 30. 30. How many, so we have about a thousand here tonight according to what I just read on Pastor Rob's Twitter a few minutes ago. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I cheated during praise and worship, I looked. But, but anyway, so what is that? It's the principle of God in operation. She's faithful in the little, God's, ma- and she's making it fun. And us girls just want to have fun. If I knew how to sing, I'd break out in that song. <laughs> girls just want to have fun, man. So we're going to have some fun at Sparkle. I know y'all are, and y'all need to be here, and we're going to be having the same fun where I am. But it's the same heart, the same spirit, the same passion for people, the same love for women because women have been wounded. There are women in this place, undoubtedly, who have been used, abused, trampled on, stomped on, and there's some women in here who have done some things like that to others as well. And the same blood of Jesus that forgives and heals and restores one, heals and forgives and restores all. Washes and cleanses us. Makes us new. We get a new beginning in Christ. You know, people pay big bucks to go to treatment centers. 1,000, 2,000 a day for the experts of the world to tell you all the reasons why you'll never be able to make it. And that once you're an addict, you're always an addict. But that's not what Monica said. She got a hold of 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says, If any person be in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things are new. She got a hold of the fact that God is not about treatment. He's about transformation. And he puts a new heart and a new spirit in us. And she got a hold of Jeremiah 29.11. These are the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. And I don't know what you've done. Or what's been done to you. But I'll tell you this. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He is able to save to the uttermost. And there's nothing too hard for him. And if, and if Jesus Christ can heal young women who have come out of trafficking. And we're seeing him do just that. And transform their lives. And for them to see themselves as a princess. A daughter of the king. A mover. A shaker. A history maker. Somebody who can boldly stand up. And declare and decree who God is. Kim even got up this morning and she was just, man, she was going for it. And she said, I used to be sitting in a room full of people and I would not even say a word. That's how bound up she was and how much fear she walked in. But God, but God has turned her into another person. And when I worked in that government system, I saw the young girls who had the same potential as the girls that walked through the doors of mercy. Thousands of the girls that have walked through Mercy, and they're out there doing great things for God today. Wives, mothers, businesswomen, mission field, pastors, wives, uh, all kinds of professions. We have one girl who was a first-grade dropout that is a Fulbright scholar, graduated college with honors, and she was assigned to a, a team of neonatal neurosurgeons that are in Germany working on some research project, and they feel like God's given her a cure for something they're looking for, a piece of the cure. So they, she, they sent her for a year, and they've asked her to stay for another year, and they're paying her. I mean, it's amazing. A first-grade grade dropout who's on her way to getting a PhD. Pretty amazing. But you know what? There's nothing too hard for God. But when I worked in the government system back in the 70s during the eight-year period... First five years, I worked at the girls' prison, and there were 300 girls there at any given period of time. And they had committed, they had committed criminal offenses. They were too young to go to the women's prison, but they were sent up for a year by the, by the juvenile court judges. It was the only prison for teenage girls in the state of Tennessee. And so we had about 300 at any one given time. And I was athletic director there. And so I got to know the girls really well. And that's when God started teaching me about not judging what they do. Go and read where they came from and what happened to them in their case files. And I would do that. And it started. It start, God started dealing with me about the way that man looks at things at, on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart of the matter. And he understands where a person's come from. And he's moved with compassion. And you can see that if you read where, the way Jesus approached people in the New Testament. In fact, those were the folks he was hanging out with, the ones that were messed up, because he wanted to reach them with his unconditional love. And he wants to put that same heart and that same spirit in us because we are his representatives in the earth. And when I worked in that government system, I stayed frustrated because the first thing they told me when I took the job in orientation was separation of church and state, you cannot share Christ. And you know what I saw? I saw a lot of really hurting, desperate for answers, desperate for love, desperate for understanding teenage girls who were working, uh, laboring under a system of, of legalist, legalism and rules. We were told you can't share Christ. But the psychiatrist and the psychologist could come in and run all the tests on them and tell them all the reasons why they would be damaged goods, reject, castaway, away, throw away, once this, always this, you'll never be able to do this, this was in your mother and father and your grandparents, it's going to be in you and your children, there's nothing you can do about it, and by the way, addiction is a disease, and on and on and on. But you know what, that really does not line up with what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 30:19 says this day I set before you life and death blessing and cursing and you can actually choose life that you and your seed may live and for those of you who have children natural seed yes that's your natural seed but it's also your spiritual seed I've never given birth to any children but I have many seed that are on the other side of my obedience and my question to you tonight is who's on the other side of your obedience to God? Are we going to move beyond our own fears of what if I don't say it just right? Are we going to let what people think about us keep us from reaching out to someone who desperately needs us to reach out with a helping hand? And these are all things that God's had to deal with in my life. But he showed me, you need to quit judging these girls and you need to start releasing the love of Christ to them. And even though you're not allowed to share it, they'll feel it coming out of you. And I began to do that and I began to pray and God forgive me for judging and help me to see these young girls the way you see them and my eyes started being open to their potential and I started getting to know them and there were connections made and God would give me opportunity to share Jesus with a lot of them but you know what happened after their year was up? After the psychiatrist and psychologist Told The experts told them all the reasons why they could never make it. They'd never be different. They'd go back to the same environment they came from. And the drug dealers were waiting to get them back into drugs again. The gang members were waiting to get them in the gangs. Young girls that had been into prostitution, the pimps were waiting on them. And we begin to hear of girls that were killed in street gang fights. Young girls that died from drug overdoses young women that never made it to the age of 18 because they took their own life because they felt like they had no hope and that there was, they weren't worth anything and there was no way that they could ever be different and they didn't want to live in that state. There was one girl that I reached out to And she was very, very confused about her sexual identity because every person in her life that should have nurtured and protected her had used her and abused her. Fathers, uncles, cousins, brothers, everyone had had their way. And she had been... It's so horrible, I can't even describe to you what happened to that girl. So she hated men and she tried to dress like a guy and look like a guy and everything. And, you know, I remember... I remember God dealing with me about you're judging her. And I was. I was. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to go read what she's been through. And when I read her case file, I wept. I had never read anything so awful as what this young woman had been through. And I, and I prayed and I asked God to forgive me for judging her. And I asked, said, Lord, if you'll help me. To see her the way you see her and love her the way you love her, I will do it. And so I begin to connect with her in a different way, and she sensed the change. And I began to talk to her and reach out to her. Long story short, we developed a great relationship. And even though I was told I couldn't share Christ, I, I prayed for opportunities, and I had one with her. And I, I, and I, I tried to let her lead, uh, pray the prayer of salvation with her in my office in the gym. But she kept saying, no, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And it was like, no, no, you're, today's the day. God will meet you right where you are. You're thinking you've got to clean it up. And no, God wants you to come just like you are right now. She goes, I don't know. And she never would let me pray with her. But finally I st- it was time for her to go home. And I said, well, eh, eh, will you get back home? Will you ask around in your city? Ask around where there's things like this that we have here tonight going on. Ask around where there's a church where people are getting helped and and people are being loved. And and I said, and you can go. And she just, you're crazy. Look at me. I look like a guy. I dress like a guy. You think I can go to a church and they're going to accept me? And I said, I know they will. You find a church where they're making a difference and you go and you let them love you. And 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 they'll take you in. And I said, in fact, ask about who the women's ministry leader is or maybe somebody who teaches the youth group or something. But ask for a, a female leader, and, and that'll be a way for you to begin to get to know people and stuff. And so she goes, you really thinking? I said, yes, I really do. She said, well, maybe. So she goes, and she lived in the way about four or five hours away from where the facility was. So she left, and she goes back home. Several months later, we got a call one day. And her mother called to let us know that she came in from work one day, and her 17-year-old daughter was laying in the bathroom floor, and she was was dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And she left a note that said, I went to the church, and they would not accept me. They laughed at me, made fun of me, and she asked to be buried in her clothes. And that was it. And I'll never forget when that news came down because it was the one thing that literally broke my heart. The first real heart, I mean truly heart-wrenching thing that I personally felt responsible for. But, and I had to get ministry and have my heart healed over it. But here's the point for us tonight. If we are going to call ourselves Christians and we are going to have nights like this where the chicks can come, then we need to create an environment, and I believe we have one here, but I'm just saying. We need to, we need to love people where they are. We need to love them unconditionally, and we need, don't need to judge people according to the way they look or how they dress or anything else. <clears throat> I understand that we're comfortable with people that we're comfortable with. But we need to, to get comfortable with not being comfortable. We need to learn how to connect with people that are different from us. We need to let God deal with the insecurities in us. We need to let the love of God that flow out to other people who need it. That young woman desperately needed to be loved right where she was. And, and, and she didn't get that because she didn't look like she could be a part of what they had there. That isn't right. And I believe that God has me share that story to remind myself and also you that when we pray for people and for God to send us people, that we need to be ready for who he sends. Because we say we want to reach the unreachable and love the unlovable, but, but do we really? Do we want to sit by someone who looks different from us? Are we going to be concerned about reaching out and connecting with them? Or are we going to be concerned about what if somebody thinks they're with me? I mean, let's just get real. We want to reach people. So we just need to make up our mind that we're going to let the love of God flow out of us to, all, to everyone he puts in our path. And do you know that I prayed and I said, God, if you will send young women to me who've been through what LaWanna's been through, that we'll take them in. That's the way I prayed when Mercy Ministry started 28 and a half years ago. And I told the devil that you're going to pay back for that life that you took. And God sent a bunch, a whole bunch since then, that he's healed and restored, some that have left and are now happily married with children and serving God. Because, they got the, because God has an answer for our, our confusion. And Jesus came to heal and to restore all the years that the enemy has stolen. And there are women in here who have been raped. There are women in here who have had abortions. There are women in here who have been sexually abused. There are women in here who have maybe been on the side of making choices that hurt other people. But you know what? It's the same Jesus Christ. That said, if you can, first John 1 9, if you confess your sin to me, I am faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And so I was kind of in school back in the 70s, whenever I was working for the government, because God was showing me all the programs funded by the government that look good and sound good on paper, but the reality is the lives weren't changing. And so I did that for five years, and then God opened a door for me to go to work in the emergency protective services unit going out with the police all hours of the night, investigating child abuse cases. So those horrible cases that you read about in the newspaper and you see on television, my job was to go out and interview the perpetrators, write the cases up, and if the children needed to be removed, to remove them and put them in emergency uh, foster care until we could get a long-term placement, and then we'd have to submit the evidence to try to get a conviction to those that were abusing. So little girls' bodies are not made for grown men to take advantage of them. And yet I had to see that over and over again and the horrible physical and sexual abuse and little boys that were being sodomized and on and on and on. And I would have nightmares about it. And our unit was on call 24 hours a day, so i have to go out and I'd see it with my own eyes. And I'd just cry out to God, Lord, I can't do this anymore, it's too much pain. And I was telling God, I want to go to Bible school. And he said, I have you in Bible school right now. I'm teaching you everything that I want you to know. Every program that looks good and sounds good on paper, all the the answers that the experts of the world give because the reality is that the lives aren't changing. And the Lord said, I'm showing you all of this because I've got something for you in the future. And I don't want you to ever be tempted to call the, the experts of the world for answers because the answers are found in me. And so, after eight years of work, you know, and I'll tell you, let me just tell you before I say that, there, there were those three years where I saw the little children and I had to look at what was happening to them. God spoke to me one day and he said, you just spent five years of your life dealing with angry teenage girls and now I'm taking you back in time and I'm showing you why they're so angry. And thus, the why behind the what? So that we're moved with compassion and we have understanding and for people that we don't understand and the lord said to me nancy if you had been born you know the girl i told you about that took her own life the lord said to me one day when i was still trying to get over judging her i went and read her case record and the lord said to me nancy if you had been born into that family and you had had all this happen to you that's happened to her that would be you and how would you want somebody to be with you if that was you And it sort of drives home and brings to life some of the scriptures like do unto others as we would have them do unto us. So if if we can kind of live with that mindset, how would I want somebody to be with me if this was me? So after eight years of working for the government, I came to realize this one thing, that God has not anointed the government to heal broken hearts and set people free. He's called us to do it. And folks, yes, and folks, we have a job description we call. How many of you call yourself a believer? Yeah, and if you're not, if you don't, you can. Before we leave here tonight, by the way, because we need you, and you need us. But there's something in Mark 16 called a believer's job description, and it's actually not the great suggestion; it's the great commission. And it says to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Even the ones that we don't understand or that are not like us. But you know what? We don't know where they've been. We don't know what's happened to them. But I know this. God says, my word will not return unto me void. But it will accomplish what it, uh, I send it to accomplish. And the Lord says, how will they hear if somebody don't go and tell them? And in the Great Commission, he says, go into the world, not the church. He didn't say go into the church and preach the gospel to every creature. He said go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, I realize that it's much more comfortable when we can preach to each other because we can high-five and, oh, girl, you know, look at what Jesus did and we all just think each other's so cool. That's comfortable to us. But you know what? When you go out there where people may or may not receive what you have to say, it gets a little tougher and you've got some things called principalities and powers that are coming against you and the enemy tries to hit us with fear and we have to go no God has not given me a spirit of fear but power love, and a sound mind if we're going to call ourselves believer then we need to understand what a believer is a believer is someone who believes what Jesus told us to do first of all we've received Christ now we, we are no longer our own we've been bought and paid for with the price it's not just that our sins are forgiven and we're on the way to heaven but jesus christ shed his blood so that we could be healed and restored and made complete in him spirit soul and body 1st Thessalonians 5:23 i pray your whole spirit soul and body be found complete at the coming of the lord and when the girls, uh, uh, after eight years, you know, of working for the government and seeing the devastation, I knew it had to be done a different way. And you heard what I said in the DVD. God said, I want you to open, start, uh, step out in faith and open a place where girls come free of charge, that your needs are going to be met through your giving. So you give at least 10% of what comes into your ministry to other ministries and offerings when I tell you and I'll cause people's hearts to be touched. And our ministry is completely supported by individuals who are monthly partners and churches like this church who partner with us to make a difference. Individuals and businesses, we can't take government funds, we can't take United Way funds because we have to have the freedom to share Jesus Christ because without that, the lives will not change because only Christ can forgive sin, (laughs) heal a broken heart, give us a new beginning, put a new heart and a new spirit on the inside of us. Only in Christ can that be done. And we have to have the freedom to tell the girls the truth. And we have to get rid of the religiosity that's in our brain. Because a lot of people think, well, that must have been God's will for your life. Because if it wasn't God, it wouldn't have happened. But let me tell you, I'm just going to blow that up here tonight. (laughs) Because there are clearly two plans for our life. God has one and Satan has one. And and. The thief comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Do you think that a girl like Kim, who was sold into trafficking, do you think that she could come to Mercy Ministries and trust God if she thought God was the one that caused her to be sold? That wasn't God's will. It's not God's will for a little girl to be sold to... Some strange guy that's going to take her off and sell her to to men for money and hold her against her will and make her do things and force her to make pornographic films and on and on and on. It's not God's will for like another young lady who was sold to These guys that her boyfriend drugged her one night. She thought they were going to get married and she wakes up one morning and she's in a warehouse with nine other girls with no clothes on and the warehouse has no windows. She goes to sleep with her boyfriend after they had had sex and talking about their future together. And the next morning she wakes up and she has no clothes on with nine other girls in a warehouse with no windows. And for the next four years... She was made to do all kinds of horrible things with people she had never seen before and she looked down and saw not only did she not have any clothes on but that he had tattooed a number on the inside of her wrist to declare his ownership. And she, she managed to escape four years later as they bladed her as she took off through a little crack in a door that had been left open and the guy pulled a blade. One of the guards... And, and lunged at her and, and caught her hip. And she's got a very deep scar from her knee all the way up to her hip where they caught her. She almost bled to death. But she ran and they chased after her, and then they realized they were going to get caught, so they backed off. She made it into a convenience store and she ended up passing out. They called an ambulance. She woke up at the hospital the next day, and the police were, were zeroing in on this ring. She went to, and testified against them, and he got a life in prison. And she got life in Christ because she came to mercy and got healed and restored. And she's been with me to a couple of places sharing her story. Now, when she walked through the doors of mercy, I had to teach her what I'm about to teach you. And a lot of you already know this, so don't think I'm talking down to you. I'm not. But I want to make sure... That everybody understands that every good and perfect gift comes from God. That's what the book of James said. And, if it, and you, we need to learn how to. You know how the Bible says to study, to show yourself approved unto God? A workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So if it's on the equation of kill, steal, and to destroy, it's from the enemy. If it's abundant life side, it's from Christ. And lest you think that I'm making up uh, doctrine here that's not in line with the word of God, there's a scripture in First John 3, 8 that says, for this purpose, it wasn't a purpose, but it was this purpose, this one purpose. For this purpose was the son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And you know what we tell the girls? The truth is that God is so as angry as we are at what's happened to you and as angry as you are at what's happened to you God is angry at what's happened to you and he sent Jesus to redeem you from all of this because it's not his plan for your life these are the plans I have for you declares the Lord Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. So whatever it is that's happened to you that's on that side of kill, steal, and to destroy, and you go, well, it was my fault because I chose to be with so-and-so in the first place and I knew better. Well, guess what? Forgive yourself, forgive him because God's got a new beginning for you. (laughs) Today Today is the first day of the rest of your life if you choose it. This day I set before you life and death. What day? Whatever day it is that you hear it. So today it is today. What is it? August 7th? 2011. And I'll tell you, when the girls understand that God is for them, that he is not the author of their pain, that it was not his will for a drunk driver to kill somebody's mom and dad when they were little kids and they have to grow up without them, when they begin to understand the things that have happened and that God wants to restore back to you all the years that have been stolen. And not only will he want to restore back to you and heal your heart and put joy and peace inside of you, peace that passes all understanding, but he wants to to actually use give you a message and let you tell your story so that the very thing that Satan tried to torment you with and destroy your life with, that you can take it now and use it against him and torment him with it because you're telling your story so that other people can get set free. So we've got thousands of young women that have walked through the door since 1983 of Mercy Ministries that are out there telling their story and tormenting the devil. That's why our wedding list keeps growing because they get a hold, well, God is not a respecter of persons. If he can do that for her, he can do that for me. And if he can do that for them, he can do that for you. And there are women that sit on church pews every Sunday all across the land. And there's baggage from the past. There's secrets. There's things in your life that the enemy torments you with. And you might as well just go ahead and tell it to somebody Find a safe place, share it, and let God heal and restore. And, and then just go, you know what? Like, I, there's this one girl that she had something like 14 abortions. And now she's out helping women get healed who have had abortions. Because she, and she tells her story. It's just so cool how that works. And God can redeem anything. And I know there's some things we don't need to tell because it could, it could hurt other people. But, you know, God will guide us in all that. But the point is that God wants you to live redeemed, healed, and restored in this life. I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be found complete at the coming of the Lord. If you study Isaiah 53, Jesus died so that our whole spirit, soul, and body could be healed and restored. And the cool thing is that as believers... These, uh, as we go and we tell our story, as we go out there and tell people the good news of Christ, which is that it doesn't matter what you've done or who you've done it with, God loves you and he wants to meet you right where you are. He'll help you with this. Guess what? Jesus died so that you could be set free of that addiction. You can be made a new person. Old things passed away, all things new. You don't have to live like this the rest of your life. That's what being a believer is. We get to go and tell. It says that we are to go in the world and share the gospel with every creature. Part of that gospel is Isaiah 61.1 It's our equipping When God calls us to do something He equips us So in Isaiah 61.1 It says that the spirit of the Lord God Is upon me and you If you're a believer The spirit of the Lord God is upon you Because God has anointed you To tell people good news To tell them the prison doors open To proclaim liberty and freedom to the captives Christ died once for all and the truth is, it's not, Lord, I pray I so-and-so gets set free. The truth is, you got to go tell them, Jesus already died for your freedom, and you just need to receive it. The prison door's open. Come on. And it's just so fun <laughs> to help people get a hold of that. And the cool thing is, the Lord says that our job is to share that, and His job is to perform it, to cause signs and wonders to follow. So, you just share the the word of God with people and the Lord will show up. He said, as you go, I will go with you. And as you speak my word, I will watch over my word to perform it. I will cause signs and wonders to to follow. Look at Mark 16 and see, these signs shall follow them that believe. I believe, therefore I speak. If we're really believers, we're going to speak. And God says, when you speak, you go in my name I'll go with you, and the words you speak I'll cause signs and wonders to follow. So the disciples that Jesus appeared to, because he died on the cross, he said, it is finished, he went into hell, he got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Then he appeared to the disciples, and he said, now I'm 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 going, but I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I'm sending you as my delegated authority, and I'm giving you authority in my name, and when you go, I'll go with you. And as you speak my word, I'll watch over my word to perform it. And so the disciples, they believed him. They said, okay, Lord. So the Lord ascended into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. And I believe he sat down because it was our time to stand up and to go in his name. And so right after that, the last verse, check it out, Mark 16, the very last verse, it says, so they went out and they preached the word everywhere and the Lord went with them. And he caused the words they spoke to be followed with signs and wonders. There is no greater sign and wonder than a transformed life. People can argue about doctrine. People can argue about a lot of things. But you cannot argue with a transformed life. It speaks so loud. It is what it is. And that's what Jesus Christ wants to do. He wants to reach people and bring transformation. That we present our bodies to God, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Romans 12:1. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. And I realize there are people in here, and you probably had all kinds of things happen to you. And we've written books. I'm not going to really go into this. There's a resource table out there tonight. But we've written books that have principles of freedom for people who have been sexually abused. Principles of freedom for people who are cutters. Principles of freedom for people who are are bound by addictions. Principles of freedom for people who've had eating disorders and on and on and on. Principles of freedom for girls that have been trafficked. It doesn't matter what the problem is. Jesus Christ is the answer. His name is above every name that can be named. And, you know, I don't know if you guys know about what numbers mean in the Bible, but the number eight means new beginnings. Tonight I have on this wristband here. We have them at our table. And it says it's our website for trafficking, insects trafficking got time. You're going to hear more about that in the Sparkle Conference. I praise God y'all are going to raise money for that. It's great. But um, this is our website. And so I wear this. People ask me about it. I get to share stories of girls like I've shared a little bit tonight. But we decided to make this available to people so that it starts conversation, but also that you're helping us promote the cause of of girls getting transformed that have been through trafficking. And so we decided for a donation of $8, eight being the number of new beginnings, and every dollar that, that, that... is represented through these wristbands will go to bring new beginnings to girls like the two that i've told you about tonight who have been sold into trafficking and have come out and um, the girl i told you about that has the scar she has turned into a little preaching machine and i'm telling you she is so full of life and there was a time when i first met her and she forced walked through the doors of mercy she would be shaking we would find her over in a corner of a room crawled up in a fetal position. There was so much fear in her life. I mean, it's a miracle that they, she would even come and, and choose to trust us to try to help her. But there's no fear in that girl now. She knows who she is in Christ, and every day she's getting ready to, to start college, but every day when she goes to work, she showed me, she came to see me, and she spoke with me a couple of places, and she has made, have y'all seen those little, um, you know how you get those little flip things that are on a chain and you, they're laminated? Like if you go into Home Depot, it's paint colors, it's carpet, whatever. She made her own little laminated thing that has scriptures on it. And so if she gets hit with something that kind of shakes her during the day, she'll pull those things off and she'll start speaking the word of God out loud. I am a new creation. You know, in Christ Jesus, old things have passed away, all things are new. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And she just goes on and on and on. She got the one that she thinks she needs the most. She calls it the bullets that are in her gun. And she keeps it loaded all the time, trust me. And she's corrected me a couple of times when I've said something that was not in line with the word. And I'm like, thank you. That's good accountability right there. But we need each other, guys. But the truth is that if there's something in your past God wants to heal and restore, and we wrote these books, we're getting testimonies back from people we've never met who have read these books and have applied the principles of freedom, found in God's word to their life, and been set free. And there's testimony books out there, just chapter after chapter, Mercy Moves Mountains, Echoes of Mercy a uh, story I tell about a guy that I met on an airplane when we bel- were believing God to build the second build, and This is one of the stories in there. And God said, if you'll take them in free of charge, not take any government funding and give, you know, tithe as a ministry and offerings, I'll meet your needs. And so, you know, we just believe, I, I said, okay, I believe you. And so we would be faithful to that. And we still are to this day. And it's amazing how God sees to meet our needs. But I'm going to I'm just going to tell you that God is more than enough. He's more than enough to heal your heart. He's more than enough to restore you from the things of the past. He's more than enough to bring provision today and open up doors of whatever, for whatever you need. That's what more than enough, more than enough in Priscilla's life meant that he was more than enough to heal and restore her with a bunch left over for the next girl. We never use him up. He's an endless supply. He's more than enough. And we have been believing God for the money to build the second building. And I I don't have time to go into details, but the bottom line is that I met a guy on an airplane. It was the last seat. I'd been speaking in Vegas for eight days. I was tired. I wanted to go home. And right before they closed the cabin door, I look around and there's one seat open on the plane. And I'm like, oh, God is so sweet. He's going to let me have an extra seat so I can stretch out and take a nap. But God had something in mind that day. Something bigger than what I was thinking. And the guy gets on the plane, and he's walking down. And so being the spiritual person that I am who has prayed not, God, let me meet somebody and witness to. I didn't pray that that day. I was being selfish, and I wanted to take a nap. So being the spiritual person that I am, I pretended to be asleep. <laughs> so I think that's equivalent to lying because it's kind of like deception anyway that's what I was doing this guy poked me in the arm hey lady how much money did you lose gambling in Vegas this week and I'm like oh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't gamble I didn't lose anything and he was so blown away that somebody would go and not gamble and party and stuff he asked me questions for the next two and a half hours till we got off <laughs> I never got my nap. I was a little ticked at God for a minute, and then I was like, oh, "I need to go with this. This is God's doing something here." So I didn't think much about it. I got off the plane. He asked me for a brochure about Mercy. This was in the late '80s. We were believing for the second building, and uh, we had bought property and we were making an additional place for unwed mothers to come, like right next door. That we since that time it was it's been attached as one building, and so several weeks passed by and I got a phone call one day. Now this was way before the day of cell phones, you know, landline. (laughs) That's all there was. (laughs) And uh, I go to the phone and the guy says, Hey, remember me? I'm the guy that you met on the plane. I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember you. He said, Nancy, let me just tell you, I met you that day coming home from Vegas and my whole adult life. When I get under stress in my job, I go to Vegas and I party and I gamble and I chase women. That's what I do. And he said, but three months before I met you on that plane, I asked Jesus to come into my heart and something's changed. And this time when I got to Vegas, it was like everything looked nasty and dirty to me. And I'm like, why am I doing here? This is not what I want to do. It's like scales came off my eyes. And I sat through two flights trying to fly standby. And I finally got the last seat that day right next to you. And he said, I don't know much about this God stuff yet. I still smoke cigarettes and I still cuss like a sailor, but I'm praying about it. (laughs) And I laughed. I thought that was funny. I said, well, God will help you with that. He said, yeah, he's helping me. But anyway. (laughs) He said, I am praying every day. And the weird thing is every time I pray, I keep seeing your face. And I feel like God is telling me that you're trying to build something and I'm supposed to help you. What are you trying to build? So I told him, an unwed mother's home. That we We're building an extra place right next door to our current facility to help more unwed mothers. Well, as soon as I got that out of my mouth, the guy starts crying. I mean, sobbing. I'm like, I didn't know what to do, so I didn't do anything. I just sat there. <laughs> and I'm trying to like kind of get a sense of what's happening here. And finally, he caught his breath, and he said, Nancy, I'm 40 years old, and 40 years ago, I was born to a teenage girl I'm the product of a violent rape. I never met my birth mother, but she chose life for me because people were there to help her and take care of her. And when I was five days old, I was placed in this wonderful adopted family, had a great life, and last year my adopted mother passed away and left me with several million dollars and I've been looking for something to do in memory of her. How much more money do you need? So sometimes God moves in spite of us and not because of us, but I believe that was He was honoring the previous seed that had been sown, and so He wrote the check and we built the building debt free, and to this day there are still girls that walk through the, the those doors every single day, all these years later, getting the help they need because it's the same Lord, the same Jesus, the same Word that's available. Today is the day of salvation.